Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Possum University Podcast, the podcast for dog people. If it's your first time listening, I'm John, a former animal cruelty officer and a former animal shelter supervisor. And I'm Jamie. I am a certified dog trainer and a canine behavioral consultant. In this episode, we are live, streaming live on Twitch. We're starting off with some exciting news and then we're going to get into some questions. So stay tuned. So, we have some exciting news to start this off with, and I think it's only fitting if you share it. So, everybody knows that uh, we were fostering Tasha, and if you're close to us, you know that we suck at fostering. We're awful at it. And we failed again. So, Tasha's here to stay. We adopted her on New Year's Day. It was a great way to start off the new year. Uh, put 2020 behind us, 2020 behind us, yes. and we're so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking right now because I want to make sure that we're actually <laughs> live. If you guys are seeing this and we are live, just type in the chat and we'll be able to see you. Someone we'll said sure. it's not loading. False alarm. Nope. You guys look great. Okay. Oh, Thank you, right. Teffy. <laughs> very good. Um, yeah. So we. Uh, I think the, the most pivotal moment with Tasha for us was seeing her and Oakley like really play for the first time. Yeah. You were on FaceTime with your parents and um, mm -hmm. we were showing them something in here. I think it was the new beer fridge. I got John a beer fridge for his birthday. Yeah. Um, Best wife award. And I guess they were so excited because we were on FaceTime. It, well, we normally don't walk into the office altogether. We were, so. Yeah, we had the baby. We like everybody in. was excited. There was a lot of energy. So, and you hear all the nails, like their nails all over the floor. And I guess they just both got so excited that for the first time ever, they played and they really went at it. And um, if you guys, anybody that knows or knew Opal, like they played like that. Yeah. They were really going at it. They're both old though. So, <laughs> yeah, like, Tasha's age, she's got it, bad hips. <laughs> it, it lasted like 45 seconds. It was amazing it, though. Yeah, and at that moment I knew, I was like, all right, she's home. No, you literally turn and you're like, that's it, she can stay. Yeah, that was, knowing what he is probably going through, um, you know, because they were inseparable. They were, they were best friends. And so for him to like lose his best friend, but now he's got Tasha. So that, that sold it for me. And yeah. I know on previous podcast episodes, I was afraid to commit to actually adopting her because I would, I, I have where I hold Opal. Yes. The standard that I hold Opal at. And I didn't think it would be fair to her if we took her in, or at least uh, from my perspective, I know you already fell in love with her, but to have the expectations of Opal, I felt like it wouldn't be fair. Did you feel like you were like letting her down? Like you were replacing her and you didn't want? No, no, totally different. I just felt like it wouldn't have been fair to Tasha for me to have. Like those expectations? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But it, only, it took a, a, a very short amount of time and she like totally proved me wrong. Yeah. And I think the other thing, I think we knew we were going to do it. We pulled the trigger. We actually had our, our Volox rescue um, meeting that on New Year's Day where we, we told everybody that we were going to keep her. And um, New Year's Eve, we always go to our best friend Nicole's house, Nicole and Frank, and um, they have a dog named Chevy. He's um, We've talked about him before. He, he just turned one a little while ago. And because we go there so often, like that's part of our life. Like we're there at least every Friday, if not like extra days on top of that. And we brought her New Year's Eve and we, we worked it with, with Chevy and they, they wound up being really good like towards the end of the night. Like she wasn't like weird towards him at all. He's obviously really excited because he's just a baby. He's a baby. He's a COVID baby too. Yeah. So. so he doesn't have a lot of a socials. He doesn't have a lot of socialization. So we give him extra slack on this. And he was just really obsessed with her. Yeah. Like he just kept staring at her. And I'm like, dude, you know, like in the animal kingdom, like that, that <laughs> means you're trying to fight. And he like doesn't get it. Like he, he just doesn't get but it. He He's that, adorable. He did that to Oakley a ton too. And now it's like a couple of like a minute of excitement with Oakley. And then they kind of yeah, like. He'll settle down. So we're out. hoping for the same thing with Tasha. Honestly, like being there for like the first time with the two of them together and seeing them. And it was a, it was a long period of time. What we got them were like eight o'clock. And we obviously didn't leave, leave till like two, three in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it was a long time for them to be together. And by the end of the night, she was asleep on the ottoman and he was just romping around with Oakley. Yeah. He was terrorizing Oakley. So it solidified it for us. Like them playing, 
when we came into the office looking at the beer fridge and then also New Year's Eve at Nicole's house because we go there so often. That's a big part. And I don't want to leave her home every single time we do that. Nicole said unintentional COVID baby. Yeah, you literally got Chevy like the week before we had the baby. Because I remember I met Chevy and then the next day went into labor. Yeah. Yeah, and we he came was right from the doctor to awkwardly meet in my arms because he's one of those dogs that doesn't like to be held like a baby. Like yeah. he like tenses up and he gets super weird about it. Um, so I was holding him awkwardly and his arms were out straight and he didn't know what to do. Yeah. And then I had JJ the next day and then COVID hit and here we are. Here we are. So, so she had a plan. Yeah, she did have a plan. <laughs> Other people waited till like the, the heat of COVID and they, they brought these dogs home and that's what, like mostly what we're dealing with. And that's why so much of the material we've been putting out is about separation anxiety because like that's literally what happens when you do this when when you're home all day and then all of a sudden your routine changes like that breeds this absolutely i was just talking to one of our clients about that today so we are so behind on ask the trainers so behind we have i don't know there's like 15 in my inbox and then there's a ton more that were already opened and are just waiting to be answered. Yes. So we're probably almost at like 30 Ask the Trainers that we are behind on. We apologize. Yes. But if you guys have questions, you can drop them in the chat and we will see them. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and bring up our first question. A listener, a podcast listener, Haley from Texas says, at the dog park, my dog will be dominant towards other male dogs. He doesn't like when I show other dogs affection and will sometimes go after them. Why do you think that is? So I think there's there's a lot of, like I always say, when we answer these types of questions, I always have follow-up questions. Um, so what I see with this, and I know there's a second question that goes with this. Yes. So I, I do believe that her dog is a very anxious dog um, in certain situations. So what's confusing is that he seems to be a certain way, and then when the stimuli changes, he's a different way, which is very confusing for us because mm-hmm. that means he's he's not consistent. Right. So it's it's strange, and it makes us say, "Why are you like that?" I hear that all. Why is my dog like this? I'm like, "Listen, let's go through it. Let's really figure it out." So at the dog park, he's dominant towards other males. And now my first question would be, "When was he neutered? If he is neutered, um, and we need to learn a little bit more about that." So I'll go into like the depths I really like when it comes to my training to explain the why mm-hmm. I do the same thing I do with kids as I do with adults, because yeah. it really, once we understand the why the whole situation becomes a lot easier for us to understand. Um, so I'll go into like the dominance of it and why, you know, being intact late affects this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of studies on it as well. Yes. And, and that's like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like politics, whether you, you want, to neuter your dog or you don't want to neuter your dog because right. all the, like there's so many people that are passionate on both sides mm-hmm. and it's like, all right, well, what's actually the truth? And there is science on both sides yes. to support different things. So it's confusing and it, and it, and it does. I used to think it wasn't a breed thing, but it is. If you have a larger dog, it, it's important to wait a little bit longer, but not, not forever. Cause right. then you, you're risking having other illnesses and stuff and we don't want to do that. Yeah. But we're not thinking it's so much of a neuter thing, right? Because no. Based on, we have information. We have the other question that went along with this. Yeah. So I'm going to bring that up real yeah, quick. Yeah, bring that That'll over because it'll make more sense. Yeah, we'll ask both of them at the same time. So the other part of the question was, why does my dog only interact with people in the home? When on walks or at the dog park, he doesn't pay any attention to them. He normally feels insecure around strangers. So we this tells me we have insecurities going mm-hmm. on um, because he feels secure in his home. He acts normal, loosey-goosey, no problem. Um, But then when he's on walks, he's more direct. He's not paying attention to anybody, not making eye eye contact. Who does that remind you of? Putting me on the spot. The white pity that's in our living room right now. Yeah. She is the most loving person. When you come into our home, you could be here to rob us at gunpoint. And she'd be like, oh, "Come into my home. Welcome. Take all my take take all my pets and, and 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 like give me treats and you have stuff for me." Like she doesn't care. Um, she is super super friendly. But the second that harness and that leash is on and we go out that door, she is blinders. She doesn't like. She won't even look to me for affection. Um, if she does, it's because I caught her glimpse for like a literal literal second. Yeah, and she'll give you like a just something to hold she you over. She doesn't even want food. Yeah, she is like. 
she's out of her element and every dog is different when they're in this type of mode. So like whether they're super stressed and they're panting and they're freaking out or they're crying or like Tasha blinders doesn't want to deal with anybody kind of just trying to like get out of the moment, but doesn't look like she's stressed so much like to the naked eye. I obviously know it, but some people are like, Oh, she's fine. Um, she may just look like an independent dog, which we know she is not at all. Yeah. So it's just, it's funny to see how, how different her behavior is. Uh, between the two and then there's the dogs who are like shut down won't move like won't look at you insecurity comes in a lot of different forms yeah so we have to take that into account so she was saying you know is he just is he doing something he wants to do like like walking like he enjoys walking so is that why he's not focused on anybody else it could be but I think it's probably more anxiety than anything Mm -hmm. um just trying to stay focused on other things and not worry about his fear because trying to take in yeah. All the stimuli around. When she's telling me he's not comfortable around new strangers, he's insecure. So there's something going on there where he doesn't feel safe. Yeah. And that would be my number one thing is we got to fix the insecurities and then we can attack the whole dog park thing. Right. Um, so because that, that's that, secondary. That leads us back to the dog park then. Yeah. So now we have this information and we know that we're dealing with a dog that has these issues, has this insecurity. So that's where it takes it from, all right, well, is your dog neutered to, okay, this is probably an insecure thing. So like when we were doing the, uh, as Rocco, right, that we were doing a little assessment on the other day and he yes. came in with that mm-hmm. high tail mm-hmm. and he's very, you know, he almost intense. dominant. That's like the first thing the shelter attendant said. He's He's got a very dominant personality. That tells me he's extremely insecure right. because dominant dogs don't have to say that they're dominant. Yeah. And that's like the same thing. Like a lion doesn't have to say it's a lion. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows it's a lion. It can strut its stuff and it's no big deal. If if he was secure with himself, he wouldn't be so concerned with, with being tough. Yeah. Try and stay on mic. You're kind of like, like, like turning like a the bully. Oh, sorry. There you go. This is weird because I'm talking to you and like the camera's over here. We're trying to work it out, everybody, in our shoe house of a house. Shoe box of a house. That's shoe what box. I meant to say. So I would definitely look into handling the uh the insecurities and then obviously the way we like to start tackling insecurities is by working on basic commands first because the more lines of communication you have with your dog the more confidence they have absolutely because they don't feel so alone basically that's what it comes down to they trust you if you're telling them look at me everything's fine they're gonna be like okay mom's happy dad's happy i'm getting food i'm getting love i'm getting praise so there was something else another uh basically behavior topic you wanted to get into different voices yes um now that we're doing virtual this was not something that i really used to focus on prior but now that i'm i'm developing more in like my content that i'm giving my virtual clients um i've come up with better ways to communicate to my human clients and and like i said always explaining the why and i think now that i'm watching them do it from the start because this is not what would happen prior when it was me going to my client's home i would work with the dog first teach them the command they would be looking at me i would do it and then i would give the the human client the reins and they would have to emulate what i just did now that i'm not physically there and they're watching me on a on a ipad screen a computer screen whatever um they're the ones who are doing it first. I explain it to them. I show them. I show them what I'm doing. I send them content videos and stuff like that. And then I watch them do it on camera. And what I've seen a lot is sit, sit, sit. Jody, sit, yeah. sit. And, and I like, always hear it like when you get sent the videos <laughs> and I hear it in the background and it's always it's always a guy for some reason. <laughs> it's just wait, wait, wait. Like I don't know what it is. I think it's like, we don't like awkward silence. Yeah. And almost like, especially if if a trainer is watching you, I can understand like the stress of it. Like you're trying to get your dog to listen. You don't want anybody to think that your dog is a bad dog. So you're just constantly saying the command and hoping that on one time they're going to do it and, and everything's fine. So mm-hmm. I think it's like an awkwardness for humans where we just want it to happen immediately. But we don't realize that the more times we say it, the less important we make the command. So if you say sit five times before your dog actually sits, there's no urgency for them to sit the first time. Right. They're like, oh, I can wait. I can wag around, mm-hmm. not pay attention, no yeah. big deal. There's no urgency here. Yeah. yeah. So what I like to do, um, and this is what I've been explaining to my clients, is I like to say things once. 
So we say sit and use your body language. A lot of people um, want to do one or the other, but I don't find that there's anything wrong with doing both. I like to rely on my, my physical nature because I want them to respect that. I want them to see it and be like, oh, okay, she means business. Gotcha. Right. Um, like Talking about like now. your nonverbal Yes, like posture. my body posture, what I'm doing with my hands and consistency with that. So when I have a dog, even like with Oakley, because he's still, obviously everybody knows Oakley has separation anxiety. We've made that abundantly clear. Um, he gets very excited. He has taken the abuse and stress that he's had from, you know, his life before us. And I think that he he puts it in normal situations right. and it's inappropriate. It yes. So like when he gets excited, like he sees his harness or something like that or food, even just eating, he gets nutty. And I have to tell him to sit and wait, even though he knows what he's supposed to be doing in that moment. He just can't do it. So I'll say sit and I wait. I'll stand up. If I'm leaning over for the food and he goes for the food, I'll stand up. And I kind of like tuck my arms because I'm, I'm letting him know I'm not going to do anything further until you right. sit. Um, and I say it once. I don't say sit. Oakley, sit. Sit down, Oakley, sit. Right. I don't do that. He's probably in the other room like, what is she saying? What did I'm I sitting. do? I'm sitting. I'm going to um, chew this molding. So, <laughs> so I say things once and I think it, it, it goes across the board for every command other than wait when we're teaching it in the beginning because wait needs to be kind of um, marked repetitively until they actually get it. And then we wean off using the word. But sit, it, we say it once. And you just wait because they know you have the food. So let's say there's a puppy in front of you. Puppies are excited. They're all over the place, right? And everyone wants to tell, let's say, we'll use Rocco. Mm -hmm. Rocco. Rocco's a puppy. And Rocco's excited. He, you know, he, he's just bopping around, whatever. And he's not looking at you. But all of a sudden you go, Rocco, sit. And we expect it to happen like that. He doesn't even know that you're talking to him. He's looking down down the hallway. Right. He has no idea what's going on. And then we get angry or frustrated and we're like, why is my dog not sitting? He knows sit. Of course he knows sit, but you didn't communicate properly what you wanted to him. So this is another thing I've been talking to my clients about. Your voices need to be differentiating when you're talking normally to other humans versus when you're talking to your dogs. Right. And this is especially important because dogs are like masters uh, of uh, like becoming nose blind, ear blind. Like yeah. it's a... Uh, I think it's called sensory, sensory something okay. where, where they can basically dull a certain stimulus that they're experiencing. Okay. So they would normally think about how powerful their ears are. They're four times stronger than our ears and how, how powerful their noses are. If they didn't have a way to like differentiate between things and then the more consistent things in their environment, they start to tune out, then you know, they would just be so overstimulated all the time. Yeah. So it's us like talking, a, it's like a mechanism to like, yes, save themselves. Most of, most of our words, they have no idea what they mean. Yeah. And we don't shut up. We, we're talking over and over, especially everybody working home now. Yeah. And they're on these conference calls. These dogs are probably like, we oh my talk God, nonstop. go back to work. <laughs> we, we talk nonstop. So they start to tune it out because it's not important and they need to listen for other things. Like Absolutely. Pudge listening for the mailman. Exactly. She's on alert. So I always tell my clients, your dogs are desensitized. I'm literally on virtual with them. And I'm like, I'm talking to you right now. And your dog could not care less because nothing significant is happening for them. Why would they pay attention to my voice over Zoom if nothing is in it for them? And no one's talking to them. No one's really saying their name. So he, he's tuning it out. So I, when I talk to, I know this is my normal voice. But when I talk to Oakley, I say, look. So it's louder. My voice is is in a different pitch. And he can say, oh, I know that pitch. Right. That's for me. And yeah. if I'm consistent with that, I'm making life easier for him. Because our expectations are way too high for our dogs sometimes. It's not fair. We put so much on it. them. Sensory adaptation. Oh, that's there you what, go. That's what it was. Yeah. It was going to bother me. Yeah. You needed to search yeah. the old noggin for that. Just check to the directory. Uh-huh. Um, so I've been trying to make this like really clear to my clients that we need to take a step back because, and virtual has, has helped me realize that I, that was not something that I was talking about prior to virtuals. So even like me being a trainer, I've been doing this for, you know, years now, but I'm still learning every single month, new things to yeah. talk to my clients about yep. and what's going to make it easier for these dogs to to communicate to us and vice versa. And I think it's super important. So I always tell my clients when you're doing it, you have to make it 
known to them what you want from the start. So if, again, let's talk about Rocco, that puppy, right? He's so excited. He's looking down the hallway. I know he's not focused on me. So if he knows his name, great. Let's say you say Rocco, or he knows the look command, look, but he can't, he still hasn't heard me. I'm only going to say it that one time because whatever is distracting him isn't going away. So I'm not going to try a second time and say his name or the look command because whatever it is, is too, too distracting for him. Mm -hmm. So I'll take that treat, bring it in front of his nose and bring him back to me. And he's going to be like, oh, treat. Okay. This kind of goes into Dawn asked any other recommended distraction cues other than look or touch. So you kind of almost led into that without even seeing that question. I did. I I think it depends on the situation. Dawn is also. It wouldn't be verbal. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be verbal. I think in that situation, there are no commands unless the, like unless your dog um, deems hierarchy in terms of commands. Like uh, that immediately made me think of Linus and the pugs mm-hmm. where look did not work for them in the backyard when they were stimulated, but touch worked. They would all come running right? like it was dinner time. Touch is funner. Touch is fun. Yes, it really. It, and that also there's so many topics here that are just in my head. Um the way that you teach these individual commands has a lot to do with the emotions that they have when you use them. So if if they do a look training with you from the very beginning and you're grumpy and you're having a bad month and, and every single time you're training, the dog's getting yelled at and you're frustrated, that dog's going to hate the look command. But if touch the next month you were having a grand old time and you were in a good mood, touch is going to be way more fun. Yeah. So we also need to realize everything that we do, we're doing affects them everything so that's like like dawn's question i think it really depends on the emotion that the dog has with the look of the touch one or the stimuli is too high and they can't respond to a verbal command and they need to be out of the system like their eyes need to be you know out of red Mm -hmm. right out of like that that seeing red red type of situation um where that treat smelling that food that resource bring it to the nose and drag them with you we call it a food lure um Use it. There's nothing wrong with using that. Nothing. Because the dog's not getting the food. You're just luring them into position and then starting what right. you wanted to do to begin with. And obviously, if you're dealing with a dog who has a tendency to redirect and you're in a situation where they might be reacting to another dog, that's why you need to get their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, then obviously be very mindful Absolutely. that you're dealing with a dog who redirect and maybe then a food lore wouldn't be the right choice. But don't discount the communication you can have through a leash by just applying extra tension and slowly reeling them closer to you and then giving your verbal commands, you could really kind of help break that distraction. But we're not yanking. No, John's no, talking about strong popping. arm. We're strong arming them back. So right. you're not yanking them where their collar's going like this. The head should never right. go like this. It's, it's a slow pull. Consistent, just removing them mm-hmm. from the situation. Where they're not realizing that they're even getting really pulled back because they're seeing red to begin with. But if they're getting a jolt, if they're getting a leash pop, they're they're under, they're internalizing that, but when we do the slow pull, it's it's not a yeah, big deal. Especially because we always recommend using a harness. Yes. So then you're you're taking the trachea entirely out of the equation, which is what we want to do. Because a lot of dogs are predisposed to trachea injuries or have suffered trachea injuries because of you know poor hardware choices in the past. So absolutely. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on? So it was it was making differentiation in our voices when we talk to them versus how we talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that we're only saying things once when we're training. And then there was a third that I wanted to talk about. It's out of my brain. Does anybody who's watching this have any questions for us? You can go ahead and drop them in the chat and we will try our best to answer them for you. Um, where's your phone? Here. I wanted to read. We got another review in. I don't know if you saw it. I did not. Go to the podcast app. Yeah. I mean, it's, been a, it's been a minute since we got a good review. We haven't got any bad ones, but we haven't got <laughs> good ones either. So... SSMMKK95 says, grateful listener. I found this podcast a couple weeks ago following the suggestion shared have so improved the lives of our families to rescue babies in a very short time. So thankful for the podcast with the heart. And that is five stars. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So if you guys, I think a lot of people in the chat have already left us a review. But if you haven't, definitely Go to the, I think it's just Apple Podcasts, right? They're the only ones that allow you to do reviews. Yes, and I think our, our listener from Australia was trying to figure out how to how to leave a review and she was getting very frustrated. Oh, we should talk about that. Well, I think Apple uh, switches reviews. So like the, the reviews we see are only from the United States. 
So depending okay. on where you where you live, like all their charts are regional. I think all their reviews are regional. Um, so we, we, would we never see them? I can see them because I use, I have a... a like a tracker app? Yeah, it's like okay. a, a chartable app that tells gotcha. you all the reviews you receive. But we should talk about that. Boston University is overseas and... In uh, two different places. Well, right now, now we're in three con. We're on three continents. Yeah. As far as training. Yeah, virtual trainings. I have. Um, I did a virtual training with Scotland on Monday, which was yesterday. Uh, amazing. Yeah. I was. That was probably the the hardest I had to listen in my entire life. Yeah, because you're not used to, especially one you have like the audio is so degraded going over the internet to begin it with. It's actually not that bad. There was only two parts where it got a little fuzzy. Yeah. But it was actually, I was actually really impressed. But on top of that, like, yeah, thick she accent. even said, she said, my accent is really thick. So if you need me to slow down or like go back, I can. Not just the accent being thick, they use completely different words than we do. Well, the, imagine like um, someone overseas having to have like the first like real meeting they have with the, someone from the United States is like with a New Yorker from the Bronx. <laughs> Like it's, it's <laughs> that's not a fair representation. No, like it's thick not. accent. So yeah. yeah, she had a very thick accent, but she was, she was really cool. She was so nice. Um, should we talk about what like the main issue was? I think yeah. that's really interesting. Um, so again, she's from Scotland. She has two dogs. One's a cattle dog mix and the other one is a staffy mix. Um, most people here would categorize a, a staffy as a pit bull, part of the pit bull family. And, um, but over there they have a pit bull ban, but it's just pit bulls, like just, just the, APBTs. Yes. The American pit bull terrier. Yeah. Um, so technically Milo is okay because he's a staffy, but there was a situation where there was a woman in her apartment complex who brought her small little dog out. Um, and Milo just barked. It was just one bark, and that was it. Uh, a couple hours later, there was a cop at her door saying that there was a dangerous pit bull that lived there, and she was like, Wait, me? I, I have a dangerous pit bull? <laughs> As Milo trots down the stairs and gives this cop kisses and love, and he's like, it doesn't look dangerous to me. I'm going to go. <laughs> Thankfully, Milo is, is really friendly with, with strangers. God forbid he wasn't. Over that one accusation, because he barked at her small dog, she told the cops to go there because there's a, there's a dangerous pit bull living there. Yeah. So that happened a few months ago, and that let, like, it really opened up her eyes. Like, God forbid he didn't, like, trot down the stairs and give this man tons of kisses. He could have taken her dog. Like, that would have been it, and she would have never seen him again uh, because they don't care. Um, so it was it was scary, and I, like, it broke my heart because I was like, we don't have to deal with that here, thankfully. Well, not in New Jersey. No, not in New Jersey. We still have breed-specific legislation in, mm -hmm. in various cities across yeah. the country. But, but, I mean, you and I personally yeah. do not have to deal with that. Um, I mean, our, our working with pities in general is very difficult because we're, we're fighting against a stereotype all the time, every day. But not in terms of, like, the law. Right, not <laughs> in terms of, like, I might... My Who's dog my might dog? be taken from me because they made a vocalization. This crazy Which is to a me. good thing. Like, that's yes. what you want. Like, I'm sorry, your dog was barking first. That's what she said. She was like, the Maltese was barking first. Yeah. Like, not fair. Not fair at all. Um, so she really wanted to get her dogs under control. Um, one has really bad separation anxiety. Um, and then Milo is reactive to dogs on leash. She's made huge improvements with him with like the look command. Um, she does clicker training with him. It works pretty well for him. But the problem is the surprise dogs, you know, those those dogs that pop up out of nowhere. Um, like he can deal with a dog from far away and then get closer up on the dog and ignore the dog. She works with him, treats, love, praise, great. But if they like turn a corner, bam, the dog's there, he loses it. And she's, she's having a really hard time reeling him back in. Mm -hmm. And because of that pit bull ban, She's scared to walk him because she doesn't want him to react poorly. That's the thing. She can't even practice. That's the thing. So I said, you need to, and this is hard, and, and it may take you 10 times longer than it would anybody else that I'm working with, but just have your patience. But you need to go to the park at times where you know no one's going to be there or like on the colder days because you know no one's going to be there yeah. um, and have a friend practice yes. with you. Have a friend with a dog that Milo maybe hasn't met yet and and put them in a scenario of the surprise dog. So behind a bush, a fence, a, an alleyway, you know, make it happen for yourself. So at least it's something that you are setting up. 
Like you are in control of the common denominator here, which is right. the other dog. But it was just a crazy experience to talk to Scotland in yeah. general. And then Friday, Friday, this, technically Friday well, yeah. <laughs> evening for us, right? Thursday evening for Thursday, us, Thursday Friday evening. morning for her. We will be talking to Australia. Australia, 15, 16 hours apart, something like that. 15, right? I think she's she's in New Sydney. Wales. She's on Sydney's time zone. Yes, which I was like, I don't know what that means, yeah. but okay. That's really cool, though. <laughs> really cool. So. I'm so excited, and she's hysterical. Like, I already, like, mapped out two hours for our conversation because she is, just through email, she's making me crack up. Yeah. She said in her, and where she is, she's she has friends in Delaware, so they, like, tell her, like, certain things. And she said, I'm considered a redneck from where, I'm, where I come from. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. You're funny. That's funny. Oh, no, she's really funny. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Me too. She's really nice. She was like telling me like their thing, they like their Home Depot is called Brig Brigan Brigginsons or something like that. So yeah. she was just telling me like new stuff like that they have that you know is similar for us but different words. I just funny. crazy. She, That's gonna I think be she a commented trip. on something that uh, we posted yesterday. I it was like late last night, obviously, and. Uh, I think she, we have to go back and check and make sure we reply yes. to her. She's amazing. So, A, no one gets Alyssa. We're working on the wait command at feeding time. What if the command gets interrupted, let's say, by a nine-month-old trying to run him over in her walker, and he runs away? He didn't necessarily wait, but he also doesn't want to get run over. Any tips on how to handle those situations? I don't blame him. <laughs> no, and Theo Theo is a, he's a little skittish. Um, so, with that... I think it comes, you know, obviously John and I are parents now as well as, you know, Alyssa and Tim. Um, there's always a fine line between the separation between the two, like having a little bit more discipline for the for the children, I think, right. in this case. Maybe um, blocking her, maybe holding onto the walker during mm -hmm. that command. Just so, so even like, so Penelope will learn. Yeah. You know, when the dogs are near their food, I'm not allowed to go over there. Um, like a mutual respect, like, so, so Penelope also knows cause both of our, our babies are getting to the point where they're probably going to start walking soon and getting their hands into stuff. Like they're severely crawling, um, cannot be left alone for like a second or they're going to be like on the coffee table. Um, so this is the time where we really have to show them like, this is an inappropriate behavior where it may be cute to see the babies showing interest in the dog's food it's not the best situation. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think we got to use a little so, bit. But I, I think she might be more curious as to what are like the ramifications as far as understanding that command if the training gets interrupted in such a manner. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that makes more sense then. Um, sorry, I misunderstood that. So I think, I don't know about ram ramifications. It may just make him more nervous around eating time. Would you agree? If it, if it happens a ton, yeah, I think that he would start to get a little bit of anxiety just because... Every you know, single time in, he eats, he gets rammed walker. with a walker. <laughs> but I think, you know, the occasional interruption in the middle of a training or in the middle of a command, I don't think it's really... It, you're going to see that much of an issue from it. it basically, no. it's null and void. It's not a learning experience for them, but... Uh, but it's also... It's almost good in a way because not everything is always perfect. So, yes, that random time where, like, it does get messed up... That's life. Like that's going to happen, whether it's Penelope or the doorbell ringing or something random. Yeah. Um, you know, lightning strikes. You don't know. So like you, like the situational stuff, like the the very um, random stuff, I wouldn't take to heart too, too much. If it was happening like consistently, I would say, yeah, like maybe we need to figure something out. Right. Like a more quiet room for him to eat mm -hmm. in or whatever. That's where we go to setting the stage. Yeah. Um, but I think if it's if it's every once in a while, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. OK. Josh, so everybody, we have a bunch of people from Pause Your Game. Pause Your Game is an awesome nonprofit that actually utilizes streamers who use Twitch, a service just like this. And I'm going to make sure I didn't hit a button there. And they they basically team up with these streamers to raise money for animal shelters and animal rescues in that streamer's area. Very cool. So they do really cool stuff. So follow them on Instagram, at uh, Pause Your Game, if I'm correct. So go ahead and drop that in the chat if that is what the handle is. But I believe it is. And then Josh tells time he's from pause your game. And he said, if I volunteer to shelter, what are the best tricks I can teach the dog to increase their chances of getting adopted and decrease their chances of being returned? Okay. I'll let you answer. And then I have my you go ideas. First. You go first. 
I talked all day today. I had a few trainings. So I think it could be really valuable um, to do. It's a program called Click for Quiet. And it's really, if you have a really big shelter where, where the dogs can really see each other, it's kind of hard to execute. And you need consistency and you probably need another few people that are on board with you that are going to work on this. But Click for Quiet, basically, you just walk around with a clicker and once the dog is quiet, click treat and you can you can look this up and you'll see like a whole work through of how to actually do it, especially when you have a ton of dogs. But the reason this is so valuable is because if you can get the entire adoption floor quiet, the adoptability of these dogs goes through the roof because when people see a really reactive dog jumping on the glass or jumping on the fence, I'm not sure what your setup is, but it's like it's a turnoff. They just immediately, all right, get the kids and, and go fast mm-hmm. as quick as they can. But if you have a way to control that environment and have them show really nicely and become less reactive to each other, to strangers walking by, that is so valuable. Um, That's really going to increase adoptability. It's the first thing that people see. Yes. So it's like number one. It's like, oh, that dog seems nice. Maybe we'll put, uh, we'll write them down. Yeah. How many amazing dogs showed so bad? Oh God. And then the second they go home, it's like, who is that dog? Yeah. I have no idea who that dog is. Yeah. And then we even had, I think Linda might be watching, but Linda has Opie. Uh, We've talked Prime. about him so much. So Opie, well, before he was adopted, he had, I think it's technically MCL because they don't have an ACL, right? So it's an MCL surgery. I don't know. I think. I thought it was ACL. I, I thought uh, I Dr. Compa- Davis said I think that, the comparison. Okay. So let's be. say ACL, MCL surgery, whichever one it is. Um, and he started to show really poorly in his dig. Oh, God. Um, dig is like the kennel that they're kept in. That's what we called it. And he would like growl at people. And it was because he was he knew he was in pain and he was recovering from a surgery. So he... He didn't want anybody to touch he him. Wanted, he wanted everybody hands off. And so we actually promoted him from the back. So what that means is we pulled him from the adoption floor. We, we left him in a lost and found room. Nice big dig in there. That sounds weird. We left him, like if people don't know what that means. I think big dig. <laughs> I'm assuming no. the worst. No, we left him in a loft, lost and found room. That sounds no. really strange lost if you don't know what we're talking like, about. It was, was nice. Like if I had to stay. That was the name of the room. The name the name of the room was lost and found. There were other rooms where dogs could go with, yeah. with yeah. kennels, digs. Dog get well, yeah. lost and found. But the lost and found was like, this, like the dogs that came in from transports or were like... Um, surrenders or strays it's like a holding place before they actually are ready for adoption so we promoted him from the back and like so quickly that worked out so well because he didn't have this barrier reactivity and he got to have a fair meet and like everything went so smooth and he was adorable yeah he really was cute so that's like a really a really big testament to someone said yes acl oh yes yeah it was linda yep he's had both done now Oh, yeah, poor kid. Um, so that's like a really big testament to how dogs show and how it really negatively impacts their adoptability. And I think if you you have some command ideas that would not only help their adoptability, but it'll help their retention in the home. So I would say the biggest things that people look for is or say they don't want in a dog, which I love when people come in with a slew of the things I don't want. Of I'm like you, you don't want a dog. You can't drool. <laughs> you want a goldfish. You <laughs> can't bark. No, the best one was I don't want a butt sniffer. Yes, I was going to bring that up. I, wasn't uh, it crotch sniffer or something? <laughs> I was like, that? like, okay, let me scour the shelter and pick the the non yeah. non crotch sniffers. Like, I'm sorry. Um, so I was like, well, that was that was a big a big task I needed to accomplish. So let's say that the biggest things that people look for, they don't want dogs jumping on guests or on them. They want a dog that they can walk appropriately on leash or off leash, which I don't agree with. Um, They want a dog that's going to recall like that without working for it. And they want a dog that's going to pay attention to them. I I read something funny. What is it? My mother saying triple G. Grandma Grace. I can't be a dog that follows me around. Yeah. Yeah. John's grandmother literally had Chi-Chi Bean. That's right. We've put her on blast multiple times on this podcast. She had Chi-Chi Bean for literally less than 24 hours. And obviously she does not belong to Grandma Grace anymore. She is John's parents' dog because she couldn't have her anymore. Like like 18 hours or something like that before we had to pick her up. And she said, she followed me around the whole night. (laughs) 
That's the point of having a dog. <laughs> what, what your brother said, what, is she going to go sit in the room by herself? <laughs> and she's like not even 10 pounds. Like she's like this little nothing. She left her remote. This is this is a remote. You watch whatever you want to watch. All right, back to what I was saying. So um, the biggest things for me, and I think the easiest thing to do when you are an animal attendant working with shelter or rescue animals, um, the look command, the touch command for the recall, which is fun. The, the weight, if you can, for jumping. And what was the other one I said? Excitement. So that the weight. So the weight, look, and touch, I think, right. are like the biggest ones. Yeah. Um, and those are easy to work on in the shelter. If you, yeah. like, the shelter that we worked at, they had, like, a park. So it was, like, separate from the shelter. And, like, it was outside fenced in. And kind of, like, there was, like, a roof on it, um, even though it was open. Very and, small amount of distractions. A yes, good learning place. It was a really good open learning place. And this w- this is a great place to teach commands and, and be secluded because distractions at the shelter are everywhere. So, like, even if you were in this park, someone could be walking a dog out those doors and the door would open and the dog you were working with be like, oh, what's going on over there? So pick those times where it's quieter or go to a, a, a an area around your shelter or your rescue that's quieter. Um and I think these are huge, especially like for, for our foster parents, anyone who's fostering, like use these in your home. These are things that people are going to want to look for when they're trying to adopt a dog, um, making it easy as possible for them. Yeah. And then make sure that if whatever you do teach as far as like command based is communicated to whoever actually adopts so that they know. Yes. You, yeah. Th- so it they, means no good if you don't tell them. <laughs> one, they know what commands the dog knows. And two, they know what situation is appropriate for those commands. Absolutely. Because so the they biggest can things. use it really inappropriately. One thing I did just think of, pair walks. If you are working at a shelter, please, 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 especially for the dogs that are super reactive to other dogs, do a pair walk. Pick a dog that isn't super reactive is like most shelters have like their their dog what would yeah. you call it like green dogs is i think yeah we call like them your, green your, walker dogs but also like the the, the helper dog yeah like the dog that likes other dogs technically um and then take your reactive dog and let that the friendly dog go in front and then you follow behind with the reactive dog when the dog comes down after a few minutes you're treating them you're petting them um if they're not um, a redirector, um, praise love. And as they calm down, you get closer and closer to the, to the friendlier dog, but you're keeping your distance. So like in terms of like, you're getting closer, like in distance this way, but like, if I'm coming up this way, I'm going to like come this way. So now I'm like parallel with the other dog, but there's still a decent amount of space in between us. So this way, this dog, the, the reactive dog back here gets to come up, smell the scent and then branch off and still feel safe. But now that yeah. they can physically see their face a little bit. Um, this is super beneficial for a dog that's having a really hard time getting adopted because nine times out of 10, it's going to be re- reactivity, the reason why they're freaking out. Living in a, in a shelter is super stressful, especially if they can see the other dog. So they're just like their worst nightmares like around them 24 seven. It's, it's really sad the way that it's set up, but it, we have no other choice. Um, so trying to work on that and, and telling the potential adopter, we're working on pair walks. This dog has done X amount of progress thus far. This is what we're doing. So they can see that you're working with them. Okay. We have other questions, right? Yes. Morgan said the surprise dogs are my problem too. Otherwise the look command you taught me on walks works great. Yay, Evie. Miranda said shy knows all her commands. Now getting her sassy self to actually listen to them is another story. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like Cheyenne. Shy is really, really sassy. Then uh, Morgan said, same, Miranda. <laughs> Do you believe in the no touch, no talk, no eye contact method of teaching dogs to not jump up, i.e. turning around and ignoring? I didn't know where they were going with that. I was like, wait, I don't know this method. <laughs> At first <laughs> so I was what like, what are we talking about? You had us in the first half. Yep. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great way to discourage um, like overstimulation, excitement jumping mm-hmm. yeah. is, is to just... Hands up, hands up, turn around, give them your back. And uh, basically, if you are, if they jump up and you engage with them, you're reinforcing that behavior. Every Even if it's time. one person out of your family, there yeah. could be six of you and everyone's like, no jump. You know, everyone's doing it good. One person that gives in when you're not around, that's it. And mm-hmm. the dog's going to continue to get in trouble. So it's extremely confusing. Yeah. Um, but yes, they, I've seen like so many like other trainers on social media, like, 
doing like the leash technique where they like step on the leash that's connected to the dog. So the dog gets jolted every single time it, it jumps up. Like they, they're not learning anything from that. You're just hurting their neck. Mm-hmm. Um, or the technique where like they'll walk into the dog when the dog jumps up. Like that's aggressive. Like stop right. doing that. Almost like a, like a midair body block. Yeah. You're trying to like muscle them. And like, why are you meeting muscle with muscle? Like that, that makes no sense right. to me. Like, you need to explain to the dog, like, this is this is a behavior I don't want to be a part of. So when you calm down, then I'll give you attention. Yeah. But a great way to work on that as well is to actually really, really nail the weight command and apply it to, like, going through transitional spaces like doors. And then from there, having them wait 10, 15 feet back from a door and allowing you to open the door and even walk out and then come back in. And they're still placed where they were told to wait. And then you approach them treat them and then release them from the weight. Um, that's a really good way to have them like really, they don't have a choice, but to have self-control. And I think you touching on that is good because really what happens is when you don't do the weight command, guests come over, they knock on the door that sets them off. So they're like zero to 10 immediately. They're like, Oh, guests are coming over. Woohoo party. Yeah. Right. They're ready to jump. And then we immediately just let the guest in. Yeah. And it's a free-for-all. Right. It's why wouldn't they jump? They're excited to see you. This is not a nasty thing. This is not a stubborn thing. This is not a I'm an alpha thing. That doesn't even exist. But it's like that everyone thinks it's like, oh, they're just being bad. They're not being bad. They're trying to be sweet in the best way they know how. They're trying to show you affection. Right. But their their stimulation is through the roof, so they can't do it appropriately. Um, so what John is saying, when you do the weight command, you make them sit 10, 15 feet away from the door you're letting them see the door so they don't have FOMO. They see exactly who's coming through. Once that door is able to be opened, they see who it is. If they move from the wait command, we close the door. The guest goes back outside and they're like, oh, sorry. They're like, oh, crap. Where'd they go? And then they'll learn. The more they fail with this, the better they get because they're learning. Well, every single time I move, the door closes. Okay. I got to I gotta get it together. If you, If they don't get it together, they don't get the reward. We're not yelling at them. We're not reprimanding them. They're only there. What they feel, what, what they know is what they feel and what they see. So if every single time they move, the door closes, they feel probably sad and frustrated. So they're like, okay, what do I got to do to get the guests to come inside? And they'll learn over time. Okay. Well, when I sit and I wait, I get the person to come in when we're having them sit and wait, we're bringing the zero to 10 that you get when the person comes in the door without doing the wait command we're asking them to come down to a five when they're sitting and waiting to do that. When a guest comes over, they have to be at a five of excitement to actually listen, which then helps us when the person actually does come in and we say, okay, go say hi. They're still at a five. So their excitement towards that person is going to be less excited. They're still going to be excited, but they're going to jump way less. I actually just had a client today text me and say that Leia, uh, Layla, she's doing so much better because they're doing the weight command. She has only jumped once in the last week. Once. And every other time they've done the weight command yeah. and she is calm. Her 90-year-old grandma came in. She didn't jump. And the grandma was over the moon excited. Like she was like, oh my God. And she hadn't seen her in like two weeks. So much progress in that time. And now this family's working their butts off. Like they are doing so. I get videos every day of them practicing. She's doing so well. They got sure. her off their prong collar. They were only had her on a prong collar because they couldn't walk her. She was like, they were tumbling down to the ground. That's how strong she is. What kind of dog? Uh, pity cattle mix. She looks really cute, like pointy ears. Adorable. I was going to say pointy She's ears. She's beautiful. Oh, my God. First time I saw her on uh, FaceTime, I was like, that dog is gorgeous. Um, yeah, off the prong collar, on the easy walk. They are over the moon. So, yay. Yay, Leia. Good job, Leia. So, Morgan wants to know, will the clicker training work with leash reactivity? So, it's important to to understand the value of the clicker and what it's actually supposed to do. So the clicker is really no different than if you're familiar with how we train than saying yes, after the dog does the right thing, it's that initial positive reinforcer. Um, it's really just preference as to whether or not you'll click as and, long as you're using it. Right. Yeah. And that takes me back to the click for quiet, um, click for quiet's good. And the clicker's good. It's really the only time I like to use a clicker. And that's because it's more of like that sound almost kind of like penetrates all the barking, whereas your voice is just going to get lost. Mm -hmm. But that clicker is kind of like a sharp, quick noise. And that kind of helps get attention, especially through any barriers. But 
as far as like how you apply the clicker to any other type of training, it's just that initial reinforcer that immediately lets the dog know, all right, you did this right. And that's something they start to pick up on. Every time I hear the click, then I get a treat. So the click means I did something right. Now, Morgan, if you're going to try this, I would desensitize Evie to the clicker before you hit the streets. Like you're going to have to practice it inside so she understands that means the yes. But she's a little bit more on the skittish side. And I'm worried that the, the loud click may be scary to her in the beginning. So if you do it, you can always do it behind your back. So it's like kind of muffled. And then you can start to bring it out in front of you. Yeah. And just do commands she already knows. Yes, because things it, that she's good at. Yeah, because the idea at, at first isn't, at least where you are right now and in, in where you are with training, the idea isn't to learn a command because of the clicker. It's at this point she needs to know the clicker means that she did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's if you wanted to implement a clicker. Nina says, what's your advice on how to react when your dogs get into a fight, getting them apart without getting hurt? Good question, Nina. This is really good information. Um, I actually learned this from my my normal dog training certification. And it's not well known and I'm like not sure why, but um, if two dogs get into a fight and they're not letting go, uh, the first thing you should do is never put your hand near their mouths at all. Your first, first thing that you should do is lift their back hind legs up like a wheelbarrow and they let go. Lift them up and pull and back and move quickly without tripping. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that you're throwing off their balance and you're quickly pulling back. And for some reason that just makes them release. So if they are locked onto each other, they're released. And yet that works. If you're by yourself, that's really only good if there's only one aggressor. Yeah. If it's kind of like a mutual thing, then you got to coordinate with somebody else to be ready, grab legs of both dogs and pull back. Um, and then getting into more advanced stuff. Like I'd really like to do more of like an educational video on this, but then there's these things called bite sticks, which are, they basically look like little plastic knives, not little, they look like big plastic knives, like little ninja knives. And the idea is you'll put that into the, the angle of the jaw as far back as you can get. And then you twist it and it helps open up that yeah. jaw. And that's if you have a situation where they will not let go, Yeah. but then you need those tools ready to go. Yeah, But absolutely. And then in the shelter environment, you might also have the board. It's a giant, basically look, looks like a giant CPR board. And that's another situation where you need more hands, but you drop the board down between the two dogs. And if once the second they release, you can get all the way down to the ground. And then they have that barrier between them. So they kind of come out of the red zone. Yeah. So yeah. there's a few things. Um, but in your, in your home environment, the two-person wheelbarrow method is the best. It, unless there's only one aggressor in that case, you by yourself, you should be good with the wheelbarrow as long as you're pulling the aggressor. And I think, I mean, if we're just getting honest, like if it's a really bad situation, you can always have like a blow horn ready to go. It's not my number one because you don't want to scare the crap out of the, right. the scared well, dog. When it gets to like life or death, then yeah. Exactly. Then you got to um, do what you got to do. Yes. So unfortunately, Nina's dogs are having a rough time. She's got a younger puppy who um, doesn't give it up uh, with the older dog and the older dog tries really hard to tell the puppy and it's just the communication's not there for some reason and I'm thinking that the younger puppy has like um she's she's insecure so I think that she's trying to muscle Piper um to get a reaction I'm not I'm not sure just yet what she's looking for yeah um but I see in all these videos that the little one is trying to like get on top of her and like her play is less playful than Piper's and then Piper get, has enough and that's it and then that's what they've been dealing with so it's random like they'll be playing fine and then um you know they're doing a really good job they're trying like nina's mom is trying to only let them play for a certain amount of time and then if she sees them get a little rushed like she'll separate them um but sometimes it's it's so random so normally they'll coexist and then there'll just be yeah. instances yep. of yeah it's not like the little one's just going out of her way to attack piper it's like she wants her to play and then she gets annoyed when piper doesn't want to play with her and then that's when it gets fresh so do you uh want to wrap this up by going over the TikTok that you made yesterday? I had to think for a barking. second. Yes. And yeah, then I I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna queue up our most recent video that we put out yesterday as well. Okay. And we'll close this out by playing that video. It is it's gonna be about barking and maybe not such a good way to work on barking. Mm -hmm. So we'll let that play. But if you want to touch on that real quick, will I queue that up? So I made a TikTok yesterday. Um I have a ton of people that always reach out to me and they're like what are, what are your thoughts on bark collars for a dog that that's barking? Um, and obviously most of you know that I'm, I'm going to say no. Um, 
shock collars, any collar. You shouldn't have to use any tool to get your dog to stop doing something. Um, because these tools, shock collars, bark collars, prong collars, they all use pain or being uncomfortable to get a result. So I'm, I want it, like I said earlier in this episode, that I'm focusing a lot more on t- telling my clients why dogs do stuff so they can better understand how to understand their dogs. Like it, it really comes down to like, we are looking at dogs with logic, like human logic. And that's not how it is for them. We need to understand dog, dog logic in this, in these types of scenarios. So when someone says, you know, I want my dog to stop barking, I want to use a shot collar or I want to use a, a bark collar. Um, I explain it this way. The dog, so let's say mailman syndrome, right? Mailman comes every day. We've explained this before, but mailman comes every day, dog barks, growls, lunge, and the mailman goes away. They don't understand that the mailman's job is to literally bring mail and leave, right? So they think they win this battle every day. So they think that they're doing a good thing and they're not going to stop doing it because they get positively reinforced every single time the mailman actually leaves the house after the barking. We are then in the background yelling at them. So they don't like to be yelled at, especially by the people that they love. If they're getting yelled at every single time the mailman comes, they're going to have a worse feeling about the mailman because they only get yelled at like that when the mailman comes or somebody comes to the door, right? Um, so our yelling at them does absolutely nothing. I've said this before. It's the, it's the definition of insanity is doing the same exact thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So if you're yelling on Monday and on Tuesday, the same exact thing happened, that means that what you did on Monday did not work. So we need to switch it up. So what I explain this as when your dog is barking at the mailman, that is the side effect of the problem. The actual problem is that they're scared of the mailman. They're either scared, protecting the house, not good emotions. There's not good emotions wrapped around the mailman. And maybe your dog likes the mailman outside because it doesn't. He, your dog doesn't see the mailman as the mailman outside, just a random person. But inside, that barrier between the house, the, the front door, the windows, whatever it is, that frustrates them. And that creates a different emotion for them. So that we, we need to understand that as well. Like your dog's not the same in every scenario. Um, so take that into account. But if you're yelling at them, it's going to make them feel worse about the situation. So I literally made this TikTok and I'm saying no more collars. If, if a child was scared of spiders, would you yell at that child every single time it scree- screamed and cried because it saw a spider? No, because that would make it absolutely worse for them. That's traumatic. You would, you would talk to them nicely. You would say, it's okay. Look, the spider's not doing anything. It, it's a helpless little spider. It's a little daddy long leg, right? That's what you would do to a kid. Why do we think that it doesn't do the same for dogs? Right, even with the knowledge that dogs process information like a two-year-old. Exactly. So you need to get on their level and, and really get into their brain and show them you're fine. Because that's what it comes down to. They're scared. But that's, most people aren't looking at it like that. They're not understanding that the fear is the problem. The barking is a side effect. The barking gets the, the, the scary thing to go away. So don't worry about the barking. And I say, congratulate them. Tell them they're a good boy or girl. Get excited. Good boy. You're a good boy, Oakley. So I do that when my dogs are barking. People think I'm nuts. But it's, it's not positively reinforcing barking because they're not even seeing it as such. They're not saying, oh, mom's telling me I'm a good boy because I'm barking. They don't even realize that they're barking. It's like that. It's just second nature to them. So no, it's not going to positively reinforce bad behavior. It's going to tell them in a time of stress that you're happy with them. They're getting food, love, and praise. They're going to be like, wow, every single time the mailman comes, I get hot dogs. This guy isn't too bad. Think about it. If every single time... You got a hot dog, the mailman was around. Wouldn't you love the mailman? I mean, if you were a dog, I know you, you don't like hot dogs. It's getting so weird. Bad, bad example for you. Um, but you have to think, think it I that way. I saw a video like this one. <laughs> you have to think about it that way. A lot of times we think the opposite. We think like on the negative, like the defense, but we have to think on the offense here. Very good. Yep. So, uh, yeah, follow us on TikTok. It's at Possum Who doesn't like hot dogs? <laughs> I know. I'm a terrible person. I just can't. I can't, although, you know what? You the, like the beef ones. The beef ones aren't bad. Well, pork bothers you. Listen, the beef one, I maybe next summer. Spiders are evil. I'm loving this. 
Spiders are evil. Yeah. It's, Nicole is terrified of insects. She is. So follow us on TikTok at Boston University. We have really revamped our YouTube and we're trying to put out higher quality content on YouTube. So you can find us on YouTube again, Boston University, Instagram at Boston University. And you could check out our podcast, which is basically what this is. This is just the live version. And thank you so much for joining us. We hope that it was tolerable. I think this was fun. I thought it was fun too. We're going to try and do this every Tuesday night, right? Yes. Right around the same time because the baby needs to be asleep. Otherwise, it'll uh, it'll be impossible. If if uh, earlier time is better for people, let us know and we'll get uh, a grandma to come over here. Someone said, sounds like you're talking about me, not a dog. <laughs> you're having too much fun with this. I am. I love when right. people respond So back. I have our most recent video queued up and we're going to close out with that video. Hopefully it plays because it's just looking at a black screen. <laughs> here we um, go. So we'll see if it doesn't play, then. Will they still hear us? No. Oh. No. The second we transition off, we are no longer live. It's it's just gonna play out with this video and then that's it. So Bye, if you want to stick around for the video, you're gonna learn a little bit about barking, a uh, a little different approach than how you just explained. All right. Thank you guys so much. Until next week. Class dismissed.